surpassing endless love, guiding, shining down from above, fervently trust in all that's true, love each other as Christ loveth you, bound in sin received his grace, trusting in our Somebody might say, okay, I've got get bad news and good news. Which do you want first? For those of you who like the good news first, just hang in there. Because I believe that without the bad news first, the good news doesn't make nearly as much sense. At least in this case. You might be able to find some exceptions in other cases. But in this case, let's start with the bad news 
first. And let's start working our way and finding out uh, more about the good news. So for starters, the bad news. The bad news is that since the beginning of time, we as humans have always been involved in some type of sin. We, we just, since the moment that Adam and Eve were given the option to eat from that uh, fruit from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they chose poorly. In Genesis 3 verse 6, we see one of the saddest verses in the Bible that says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And if you keep reading, you find out that that was what we call the very first sin. And from that time on, every single generation, up until the present day, we've always made the same types of decisions. That we've always chosen some other pathway besides clinging to and believing in the wisdom and the faithfulness of God. We've tried to find other ways. Now, if we skip forward with this bad news for hundreds of years into the future, what we find out is that God gave humans a law to follow. Now, many times that law is kind of summed up into what we might even call the Ten Commandments. And we, we have little little pictures of this. Perhaps this, this should even be maybe like a, a gray or something because they were, they were written on stone tablets at first. But, you know, maybe you will see little images like this that represent the Ten Commandments. And even those Ten Commandments represent the whole law that God gave us as humans to be able to follow it. But if you keep reading throughout the pages of the Old Testament, you find out that what humans did is they, they knew the law of God and they decided to, to break it in one way or another. Now, different people decided different ways in which they were going to break the laws of God. But whatever the case, however people have chosen to break the laws of God, they have chosen to do that. And every generation that's come along, every generation has chosen that same uh, pathway. They've all chosen uh, to break that law. Now, <clears throat> not only did Israel, the, the people who were supposed to be the chosen nation, I mean, they were the chosen nation of God, but not only did they stop following the law, they actually left God. They left, they left worshiping God. And that led to the time of, of the exiles. And whenever they were exiled, you know, even in, in that moment of history, uh, as we look at the, the history of the Old Testament, uh, we see that even in telling this bad news and even in, in hearing all of this about what's going to happen with the exile, there's a hint of good news that is coming. And it's found within the promises that God gives. Some of those promises are recorded among the words of the prophets. So let's take a look at at least one of those together from the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 11, this is all of this is talking about the exile and the time of the exile. But it's also talking about the time of coming back from the exile. See, that's part of the good news. It's part of the promise that God has, even among the bad news, when he's telling bad things or, or some of the consequences, some of the negative consequences, he still has points in which there's, there's wonderful truths, wonderful things that they can hold on to. So in Ezekiel chapter 11, this is what we read in verses 17 through 21. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. 
I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. So he's stating very matter-of-factly what he's going to be doing with them. But he does tell them that those who want to come to him, they have this moment to, to be able to receive this new heart, the, removing this heart of stone and receiving a new heart, receiving all these great things from God. It's kind of like God knew that they were going to and that they have broken the commands of God. But what God says is that he's going to take these things. He knows that they broke it, but he's going to show them just how much he loves them. He's going to transform their heart. And he also says in some of the other prophets, like Jeremiah, we're not going to turn there together, but in Jeremiah, he even talks about writing the law, his law, on the hearts of his people. And that's the, the some of the great promises that we have. That's actually some of the good news that's even mixed in with this bad news. So the bad news is that sin entered into human history and it sticks around for every single generation that has ever lived. What can be done about that bad news? We've seen glimpses of the good news, but here is where the good news comes in and this is what the good news is all about. The good news is all about the gospel. That's literally what the gospel means is it's the good news. It's the good news about Jesus Christ. As you turn to the page of the New Testament, you'll find out something that's called the gospel according to Matthew. And then the next book, the gospel according to Luke, I'm sorry, Mark. And then it's the gospel according to Luke. And then it's the gospel according to John. So each one of those gospel accounts are this good news that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And we see it scattered throughout all the rest of the, the New Testament as well. For example, some of these writings that were written to the, the church in Rome from the hands of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3. Now, many times we're familiar with verse 23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that's a shame to stop right there. That's just the bad news. There is good news that follows. Romans 3 verses 23 through 26. Pay attention to the next few verses as well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So, uh, as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. We see here that God was well aware from the very beginning about what they were going to do, what we were going to do, what all of humanity was going to do, that God gave us his laws. We broke it, but he still loves us so much. He loves us so much that he did something about that. We see that this passage mentions in verse 25 that God has presented Christ as this sacrifice of atonement. It is through the sacrifice of Jesus that he has given us all of this hope. We see that that is at the heart of what the gospel message is all about, is this sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. 
John 3.16 beautifully sums it up about how great the love of God is. That God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That goes on to say the same thing that's stated here in Romans. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise that we have been given. That's a wonderful verse and it's, it's a wonderful truth that is at the heart of the gospel message. But it's even more than just the sacrifice that Jesus has given for us because a sacrifice is a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. But there's more about that sacrifice because Jesus did not remain dead. He raised up from the dead. See, he didn't just sacrifice his life in our place like what somebody might uh, might do for another person today. And we, we hear these stories, and I'm not trying to belittle those stories. Those are great uh, stories of sacrifice when we see that someone has sacrificed their life in place of another. And that can be a wonderful expression of love. But Jesus did more than just that. He did do that, but he also conquered death. He conquered the enemy by raising up from the dead. God is the one who is just, and he's also the one who justifies all those who have faith in Jesus. Jesus has paid the entire human debt. If you like this way of looking at it, uh, so to speak, he has turned our bill, what, what we owed, he had turned that into a receipt that said paid in full. That's why Jesus, some of the last words he said was quite literally, it could be translated that it was paid in full. It's finished. It's done away with. Jesus knew what he was accomplishing there on the cross, and he did that. So we've seen the bad news, that all have sinned. The good news is that all are also justified by this grace that God has given to us, how much he has loved us. And now, just as we've looked at the good news and the bad news, now we have what I'm calling God news. And that is news that only comes from God, and it tells us about this wonderful love that he has given to us. And we, we read about these things whenever we open up the pages of the Bible, whenever we study from the Bible, God's word, whenever we learn it ourselves, whenever we teach it to other people. Well, as we study God's word, we see a lot of things about God and a lot of things about his love. A few chapters past Romans 3, we come to Romans chapter 8. And notice what is stated here about this love of God and how great the love of God is. Now, I'm convinced that just about, you know, all of us who are Christians, of course, we believe these things here in our head. We believe that. But if we actually believed these things in practice, what would it look like? What would our lives look like? Would they change at all? Or are we living in practice this belief right here? What is this belief? It's how great the love of God is. In Romans 3, sorry, Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 39, the Apostle Paul, he says, he says it like this, speaking to us. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Do we believe this about the love of God? This is the God news, so to speak, that he has loved us so much. He's given us his son. He's given us life. He's given us justification. He's given us all of these things. He is giving us all of these things. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We don't need to fear being condemned. We don't need to, to fear being separated from the love of God because nothing can separate us from the love of God if we actually believe these words that Paul wrote. And of course, it was the Holy Spirit who inspired him to write these words. He goes on and he makes that statement at the very end in verse 39, Any, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So who condemns us? Who can separate us from this love of God, from the love of Christ? Nobody can. No one ever has that much power. That is how great and how wonderful the love of God is. So let's let's make sure that we, we recognize this news that has been given to us throughout the pages of the Bible. Yes, there is bad news. There's bad news that we, as a group of humans, have chosen not to reflect the image of God, but have chosen to try to act on our own wisdom, our own understanding. And that's always turned out bad. But yet, the good news is that God loves us. He knows what we've done, and he did something about it. He sent Jesus Christ into this world. It's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful story of this wonderful love of God. And the God news, the part that, that God is the only one that's capable of doing, is reaching us in that state. In that state that we were in before Jesus died for us on the cross. But our debt now has been paid. That's a good news. That's a great news. The love of God is always there. It's ever-present. Do we believe it? And even uh, also importantly, not just do we believe it, but do we live it? What would it look like if we believed these verses, if we lived these verses? Well, I hope that we already are living these verses. And if not, perhaps we can make changes in our own lives that better reflect this statement about the love of God and what God is willing to do to show that love for each and every single one of us. God loves me as I am and I love him too. God is my loving father and I'm his precious child. He treats me like no
Be true.